Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I figured we would go through all of the book-to-movie adaptations that are out there. Some you may have heard of before, some are new, some we may even have some input on whether we've read them or not, but we figure that this is a good time to remind everyone of the great uh, book-to-movie, book-to-series content that's out there because this is a busy time of year and sometimes you want to engage in all that bookish goodness, but maybe you just don't want to read or listen so you can watch. Yeah, this is a time when people are looking for things to watch. You know, we're kind of getting deep into the second wave of COVID and winter. And this seems like a good time to add some shows and movies to your to watch list. Um, Of course, before we get to that, we will do a bit of catch up on what we've been reading, a little bit of book news and, and anything else that we want to talk about. You know, this is not bookish at all, but I want to talk, I got a new humidifier. Like I'm a big humidifier person. I feel like as soon as the seasons change, I get, my skin is super dry and like, I don't know, the beginning of fall, winter, I always get like a week of nosebleeds because the air is so dry. It's just a mess. So I had this humidifier that was small and powerful and I really liked it, but I feel like you have to have a few purchases of of any item before you get to the point where you're just where you find your thing. So I had a small humidifier. You fill it and then you would have to flip it over onto its base in order to get it to steam up or whatever. And it was it was like it was a good humidifier, but it was really difficult to clean. And so in certain parts of it, you could get to and certain parts of it would just look disgusting. So after a while, I let that one go. But I got a new humidifier and it's like the best thing ever because it lasts for hours. It has a huge reservoir. You take the top off and you can just pour water in. So I'm not like lugging the tank back and forth, even though I guess I have to fill something to fill it. But it's not that awkward moment when you have to like flip it over mm-hmm. and get it to work. I remember and, that moment. And then it pools at the bottom. Right. Yeah. And so I just feel like it's such a game changer and it just brought me such joy that I wanted to mention it. <laughs> it's the little things. Oh my um, gosh. I bought something from our gift guide. It you was, did? yeah. So it's funny. I posted on Instagram yesterday about my blow dry book. And one of the things I had talked about when you and I were doing our gift guide a couple of weeks ago was this book weight. And it's something that basically holds the book open. Um, so you don't have to like, if it's a book that's not lying flat in either direction. And I bought it and it's so great because now I just stick it on the book while I'm drying my hair and I don't have to like put, you know, a brush at one end and like something and a tube of toothpaste at the other end to keep the book open. Now I've got the book weight. So, I side eyed that real hard once when you talked about it. <laughs> I think you should go now. For lately, it. I'm complaining about books that um, I'm complaining about books and the fact that I can't hold them because they're so heavy. So I was like, should I just get that? So if I'm reading in bed, <laughs> totally. It's kind of lean over the book. It'll be good for the Obama book, right? Well, did you purchase it when you bought it? Did you buy it from our link? Did you go to our website? Um, I did go to our link, but I don't, because I'm, I'm not so sure I can get credit. Like I can give us credit. Oh, well, it's tied to, it must be tied to your account or Amazon associates. I don't know. I did go through our link. Yes. Oh, okay. I have to check. I'll yeah, have to see so if perhaps we, that perhaps we'll get some credit for that. Um, <laughs> twenty five. <laughs> yeah, the twenty five cent referral fee. Um, but it's really <laughs> great. So I'm glad to know that a we recommended something good, and I'm glad to have it because it's definitely helping. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. 
I mean, you still have to well, shift it up and down the page because it will cover right. the words, but that's better than the alternative. Well, yeah, it's better than it just turning the page. Yeah. All right, let's get into what we're reading. It's going to be really short on my end. <laughs> okay. I had a crazy, crazy week at work. Well, it's been about a week and a half now where it's been just insane. And so my reading has plummeted. And I'm so sad because I was just going along so well. And now I also just realized that I have uh, multiple books to read for this show. No, I've got one to read for this show. I've got one to read for a book tour. And then I just remembered this morning that I have three left for my reading challenge for the Every Day I Read the Book Reading Challenge. So that's five committed books in the next month. Right. So I'm a little anxious. And uh, at the same time, my reading just went way, way down. My pace went way down. So I need to figure out some way to cram these in. But I did finish 28 Summers. I know we've talked about this a million times, the Elon Hildebrand book, but I loved it. I really loved it. Oh, I think good. it was like so a five-star read. End. Yeah, oh, it wow. did. It's like a five-star read. And I don't, I, five, and it's funny, we've talked a little bit about this ratings, that like, I'm not saying it's great, great literature. Like I don't, it's five great star for what me, it is. Great for what it is. Five star for me means I truly enjoyed it. And for what it was, I thought it was really well done. And that's how I feel about that book. So I really liked it. And um, I finished, oh, I'm still reading the, I'm doing the exiles on audio. So that's not new. But one thing I wanted to give a plug to is a book I just started. And it's my blow dry book. And it was sent to me a couple months ago, and I'm just now getting to it. And it's called Alone Together. And it is a collection of essays and poems and just observations by writers about living in COVID. So it was pulled together in the probably the late spring, because most of the things, the references are to like March and April. And thereby, some authors you've heard of and some authors you haven't heard of, but they're just all about various dimensions of the pandemic life, like the isolation, the disappointment, the secret reliefs. There's just, it's really interesting. So I'm about a quarter of the way through it. And each chapter or contribution is only maybe somewhere between one and five pages. So it's the perfect thing to read if you have like 10 minutes. But it's just, uh, you know, you'll you'll kind of nod at, in recognition at things as you're reading it and similar feelings that people had. And I just, I don't know, I like it a lot. And I also think that it, the sales of that book are benefiting um, independent bookstores. So I want to give a plug to it. It's called Alone Together. It's edited or collected or whatever you call it, the person who put, puts together, you know, a collection of stories like that by Jennifer Haupt, H-A-U-P-T. And it's very good. So, what did she write? Her name sounds familiar. I, I don't know. It's a good question. I should look her up. But I just, uh, I just really am enjoying it so far. And it's got that nice book weight sitting on it. <laughs> so that's what I have been reading. How about you? Well, I read a book. Okay, so I, I revised my reading challenge down on Goodreads so I could still feel accomplished. Good. So I went from 104 books to uh, 45. Okay. Which I think I'll have no problem. I'm I'm two books behind schedule. I've read thirty eight. Oh yeah, you'll get um, there. So I actually read a book, surprise, surprise, that you recommended in October. Okay. It was in our October new releases. You thought it would be up my alley, but I had not heard of it. And it is Confessions on the Seven Forty Five by <gasps> Lisa Unger. I'm dying to read that. How was it? I know. I you know, I went back and listened or I searched our website so I could go back and listen to the piece when you talked about it. And you said that you had it on your holes list at the library. It was really good. Oh, good. So I think it's one of those that is satisfying. Maybe it's it's a five star. Um, It is about this woman who, her name is Selena Murphy, and she is in a marriage. She has discovered that her husband is cheating on her. She is on the train. I think she is she stayed late at work and she takes a train home that she doesn't normally take. But when she is on the train, she encounters this woman, Martha, and they have this this uh, bonding moment when the train is stopped. Like they have a drink together and they're just telling each other their, their secrets. 
and she admits that she believes, she suspects that her husband is having an affair. And I think Martha says something like, oh, you know, wouldn't it be nice if your problems just disappeared or whatever? She says something like that. And of course, this woman is just now appalled and taken aback that she has exposed herself so much. And as it turns out, the nanny does, her nanny does disappear. The nanny who had been having an affair with her husband. So it is told from multiple perspectives. I think they're all, it's all third person narration. You get into the, the head of the nanny for a little bit. Uh, mostly we're with Selena, but there's also a detective. Um, you're in the head of one of her young sons. And I think it was really, it was an interesting backstory. You know, I won't say whose backstory was interesting or anything like that. I won't um, read too much into it. I will leave stuff for you to discover, but I really liked it. Oh, good. I'm just like, oh, now I need to read more Lisa Unger. But, and this is just perfect for me in the mood that I'm in because I need something that when I pick it up to read it, it is going to bring me back to, you know, to see what is going to happen. You know, the chapters are reasonable so you can get a good chunk in and then still say, oh, I can just read just one more. So it's great. Nice. Oh, good. I'm so glad because I've really had my eye on that. So glad to know it's good. Yeah, it's twisty and, you know, I, this one I thought was pretty plausible. Like, you know how some some books just go off the cliff? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like at the end, it gets so ridiculous. I mean, I think this one hangs together pretty well. So that one's that. Then I also read this book called The Eighth Detective, which I think was on one of my lists for books that I was looking forward to. So I'm always happy when I can actually talk about a book that I said I was looking forward to. So I actually bought it and read it. It's The Eighth Detective. The Eighth Detective by Alex Pavesi. It's a debut novel. Um, This one did not hang together for me as well. I think the setup was really clever. It is about this editor who goes off to this island to speak to a reclusive author. Um, He had written a book 20 years ago that he self-published. And he's also a mathematician. So he has all these mathematical rules for... Uh, murder mysteries and, you know, how you can have a murder mysteries and all the permutations between the killer, you know, can the killer be the detective when the killer is the victim? So there are seven stories in the book that you read and, and there are different permutations of this. Like one is kind of, I don't know, kind of very similar to, and then, then there were none. So I think that they all have nods to like some Agatha Christie's and some common tropes in detective novels. So some of the stories I have to admit were a little bit spooky. Like I didn't read this book too much at night just because some of the murder mysteries, some of the mystery stories that they were collating were, were, I don't know, they were disturbing. They just stuck with me, the details that they used. So in each story, there is a detail that seems like it's off. And Julia Hart is the editor who is preparing this book for publication. It's being picked up by a major publisher and they're going through each story. So their format is to read a mystery story and then they discuss it. And she will say, oh, you know, there's this one thing that seemed really weird. And and then she keeps saying, after each one, there's this one detail that's off and is it purposeful and what is the mystery that they're trying to discover? So I thought there were neat tricks in the end that were interesting ideas, but some of the stories, just getting to that point where things happen, it took a long time. So it was one of those books that the last quarter of the book, everything drops into place, which I wasn't a fan of. And I also do not like mysteries where you really cannot figure out what was going on. I think that this, the whole, how it ended came together at the end. It's not something that you could figure out, I don't think, by reading these mystery stories. So it was a little bit of a mixed bag. Okay. And the last thing I read was, I actually read it on my Kindle and it doesn't come out until January. And 
it is Before She Disappeared by Lisa Gardner. And I guess Lisa Gardner writes lots of mystery novels where it's a series, you know, she introduces you to a detective or someone and they, you know, there's a succession of books where you get to know them and they're solving mysteries. This one is a standalone. It is about a woman who is a recovering alcoholic. You know, you get hints that there are things that she's running from in her past, but she has decided that she is going to travel the United States uh, helping solve mysteries. So this one takes her to Mattapan in Boston, Massachusetts, and she's looking for a young Haitian girl uh, who's, I think, 15, 14 or 15, who has disappeared. And so she gets a job at a bar and embeds herself in this community and, of course, gets a lot of pushback from the community because she's this middle-aged white woman who is in a distinctly, um, I think, like it's predominantly Haitian Caribbean neighborhood and she's trying to to solve this case. So that was an that was a good one too. Nice. You've been active. I've been active. And I'm still making progress on We Keep the Dead Close and uh by Becky Cooper and They All Fall Down by Rachel Housel Hall. And then I started reading this book, Nobody Will Tell You This But Me by Best mm. Pal, which I'm reading with a friend of mine. Did you read that? No, but I've heard about a lot about it. It's supposed to be good. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. It's a couple of hundred pages. It's definitely one of those books that it's towards the end of the year, you're in a bind. There's like <laughs> pictures in it. There's dialogue. So <laughs> it's like, oh, great. I can just, you know, read this the day before. Yeah. <laughs> good. All right. So do you have anything in the way of book news? No, the only thing I have is the news that is it Random House that's trying to buy Simon & Schuster. Yes, I yeah. have that on my, my news list. Yeah. We need a little bell that we can ring so we can we can uh, differentiate the segment and say we're gonna we're gonna talk about the news now. <laughs> yes. A little a little audio ding, cue. Ding, ding. Right. So, you know, bad news for readers because it means just more monopolistic behavior among publishers and less access by authors because authors now have fewer publishing houses that may take on their books. And it means that publisher, this particular publisher gets even more kind of buying power, which isn't good for negotiating deals, for example, audiobooks for libraries. We've seen some behavior from publishers where they limit the number of copies that libraries can acquire. Was that Macmillan who was doing Macmillan, that? Macmillan, yeah. I think that they've re- relaxed that a little bit. But um, Yeah, they did. I think they said because of what was going on with COVID and, right. and allowing people to have access to those books right. quicker, more quickly. So... Um, yeah. So this may not be great news. Uh, we'll see what happens with the FTC, whether they decide it's monopolistic behavior. I guess what happens is it goes, we go from the big four to the big three or the big five to the big four, something like that in terms of publishing houses. Well, we started out with the big six. I think it was Simon & Schuster, Macmillan, Harper, Penguin, Random House. And right. there's a sixth one. <laughs> so Which now one Harper, it? I mean, uh, Penguin bought... Uh, Random House bought Penguin or vice versa. Random House bought Penguin, which is owned by Bertelsmann. And I, apparently Viacom CBS was the one who owned Simon & Schuster. And, you know, because of the pandemic, I guess the pandemic accelerating a lot of things, they decided to concentrate on their core business, which is streaming, which you know, the pandemic has basically pushed through the roof because of all of the content that people need to consume while they are not going out as frequently as they did. So streaming was one of the things that saw a big boom. And I think Simon & Schuster was owned by Viacom CBS, who's planning to, they have a CBS all access um, platform now, which I think is like $4.99 a month. And they are going to be expanding that next year and calling it Paramount Plus, I think. Uh, 
Yeah. So I did a little bit of, of digging and we'll see. It's a $2 billion deal. They already have Penguin Random House. I think Bertelsmann owned all of them. And Bertelsmann is a big media conglomerate because I think they do records, own record companies. So it will be interesting to see how this is viewed from an antitrust mm-hmm. point of view. I mean, because the Penguin Random House merger itself was a big deal. So now that there are all three of them. Okay. Any other book news? Okay. So my other book news was that a lot of the libraries are starting to release their best of the year lists. And we'll probably talk more about best of the year lists when we have our superlative show and kind of wrap the year up. But New York Public Library has published their best of the year list. And I wasn't familiar. There are quite a few books that I was not familiar with on this list. Uh, Some I was, Luster by Raven Leilani, which is a book I really wanted to read and I read and enjoyed. Uh, Enjoyed being a, a strange word to use for that book just because it's such a... It's realistic and it's dark. Uh, the Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V. Schwab was on that list, which I read and loved. The City We Became by N.K. Jemsen, which is on my to-do list. I think I may listen to that on audio. Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. Hood Feminism, which is something I have on my TBR. Uh, so rounding out that list are books that I either have not heard of or haven't read uh, Interior Chinatown, Charles Yu, which I think was on one of my lists earlier in the spring of something I wanted to read. God, the like Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Really? Well, um, if you mentioned it, then I must have, but I don't remember it. Right. <clears throat> the Sacrifice of Darkness by Roxanne Gay and Tracy Lynn Oliver, which looks like it might be a graphic novel. Uh, the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, which I've seen all over the place because mm-hmm. it's the book with the peaches on the cover and like mm-hmm. the peaches have the vampire bites with blood dripping from them. And then there's this book by uh, Hillary Leichter, L-E-I-C-H-T-R, and it's called Temporary. And I've never heard it, never seen the cover. It's like this woman, it's this yellow cover with this woman, cartoon woman, and she's has a mask that is up off of her face. So hmm. what's it called? Temporary? Temporary. Uh, so these were the top 10 adult lists, adult books. Uh, their actual full list was a hundred titles. So I just took a look at the top 10. I'm sure I'll take a look at um, the rest of it a little bit later. All right. Well, we'll link to that list in the show notes. I've heard of some of those. The obvious ones, Addie LaRue, Luster, kind of the usual suspects, but there's a lot that you mentioned that I have not heard of before. Right. I want to look up what temporary is. Yeah. Especially if it has a mask on, that sounds like very relevant current, but it's hard to imagine somebody cranked out a New York Public Library top 10 ranking book since last March. Yeah. It's coffee. It's on Coffee House Press. It came out on March 2020. So. Oh, yeah. So it's not a COVID book. So it definitely. It says it's hilarious and profound. That's why this was not on my radar. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Humor. Interesting. Uh, okay. Well, let's get into some adaptations. I have some TV shows as, or TV series as well as movies in here. Um, of my- course. I mean, that seems to be you have to. Right. These days. So my list is made up of um, some that came out in 2020, some that are coming out in 2021 to get excited about, but can't watch them yet. And then some kind of Hall of Fame that okay. I've included because maybe you missed them the first time around. Yeah, I think that's a good approach to take. I do have some that are probably just dropping right now, some that came out earlier in 2020 some that you should just drift into for the comfort. And so, yeah, I want to say my sources for the books or my help in compiling my list came from Jamie at the Perpetual Page Turner, who has a book list. Uh, She tracks, you know, the new releases that are coming out and 
additions that are made to them. Uh, I also relied on the bibliophile who also does a bunch of tracking. And then in order to try and figure out where you might be able to watch it, I use the streamable, it's called the streamable.com and they tell you when things are streaming because sometimes it's really hard to figure out if these are actual uh, theater releases and some were th- theatrical releases that they've changed around. So just in uh, helping me to figure out that information, those were some of the sources that I used. Hmm. Okay. I consulted Pop Sugar for general lists of books becoming movies. And then my usual source for where to stream stuff, but it's not perfect, is IMDb. Right. All right. Well, um, I'll start with a book that came out last spring. I mean, a movie that came out last spring because it's a book that you and I are going to be talking about in a week, which means I have to read it, which is The Secret Garden. So we're I, reading Anna Green Oh, Gables. no, wait. We're reading Anna Green Gables. What am I talking about? You're right. Okay, <laughs> let, me, let me cross that one out. Okay. So I'm going to start with a movie that came out in the spring. It is a beloved children's book called The Secret Garden. And there was an adaptation that came out on April or maybe it was pushed to May. I think I'm just looking at my notes. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It got pushed to August. It was supposed to come out in April and it got pushed to August, but it's out. So if you are a fan of this book, The Secret Garden, when you were little or not that little, this might be a nice uh, way to spend an evening. Did you ever read The Secret Garden? I did. I think I read it. Is that it. the one about the girl in the boarding school? I mean, aren't they all about a girl in a boarding school? <laughs> um, yes, I believe that that is what it's about. I must have read it. Like when Actually, I was there's 10. probably two that I'm confusing. There's The Secret Garden, but the, I think I'm thinking about The Little Princess. That's, That's the one where they're... she's in boarding school and like someone visits her and sets out these elaborate meals. And they talk. That seems like something that I, I would like. <laughs> Visit me in the middle of the night. I think she was a poor girl. I don't know. The secret history, the secret garden. Secret I garden. can't really remember the plot of that one. I don't either. I just know that it's a beloved book. I, mean, I remember it being on my shelf when I was little. And it feels like, I don't know, just watch it. It's old and comforting. Yes. <laughs> Yes, exactly. In that vein of things that I have not read, The Personal History of David Copperfield was in theaters over the summer with Dev Patel, Tilda Swinton, Hugh Laurie. And I think it is out streaming. Um, It was supposed to come out on November 17th. Is this David Copperfield, the magician? No, this is um, David Copperfield, the Charles Dickens. Okay. You know, novel. Okay. And this and is I an will adaptation. Tell you, this is an adaptation. And it's supposed to be fun. Like, um, I think co- comic and heartwarming. I mean, I think at the time, Charles Dickens was always very interested in poverty and surviving poverty. So, you know, I think that's how it starts out, but it's supposed to be heartwarming. I haven't seen it. I do want to see it. I like Deb Patel. It's funny, I don't uh, usually think of Dickens as heartwarming. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's true. As I think about A Tale of Two Cities. Bleak House. Bleak House. And all right, so maybe Great this expectations. Is, yeah. Okay. All right. So this is the one I think I think that David does all right for himself. <laughs> nice. Okay. Got it. I like Dev Patel too. Is it? Uh, well, no, not even A Christmas Carol is, is really grim when you read. It's preachy, too, when you read the original. All right. All right. So moving on from classics, which we obviously have not thought about in quite a lot, long time. Um, all right. Well, so you and I have talked about this already, that Hillbilly Elegy came out in November and it got panned. And then my mom called me yesterday and she goes, oh, on Netflix, Hillbilly Elegy is on and it's really good. And I said, oh, that's odd because it's been panned all over the place. But she really liked it. And she also did read the book. So maybe it's not as bad as it's been made out to be. 
Yeah, I was going to reserve judgment. I've been reading all of this literary criticism on why it's terrible, why it gave people the wrong idea about Trump and the motivation of Trump supporters. Um, you know, I think it was a huge blind spot with that in terms of people wanting to think it was like this specific type of poor person who had lost their livelihood and that was all that was made up of his base. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's not getting a lot of love, but I do plan to watch it. To yeah. See. I mean, the trailers just look a little bit over the top for me. Yeah. Well, for me, I think it's like, I, it's having not seen it, I will continue to opine about it. Um, <laughs> I, I find it hard to understand how that book becomes a movie. I mean, the book was an intensely personal sort of uh, essay about his own life, his values and politics. And it's hard to see how does that translate to a plot driven movie? I don't know that like I'm, I'm, I like to be surprised, pleasantly surprised when I see it. But I think for me, that's the reservation is it seems like a weird movie, weird book to adapt. Yeah. But I feel like, so many books have been adapted that are like that, that are about someone's personal triumph. I think that we like movies like that. I mean, we, as in the general American people, you know, these root for characters, um, I guess just villainizing basically the society that he came from. Because there's a lot of, I think, pull yourself up by your bootstraps rhetoric in in that book. And I think that that's what it leans heavily on in terms of him just escaping a harrowing lifestyle and then he will make it out. But also opining without having seen anything but the trailer and having vague remembrance of this book. So why don't we just leave that there? Okay. (laughs) Right. Oh, but in that vein between the world and me by Ta-Nehisi Coates is, is, came out this month. It's not being panned, but it's also a deeply personal story that uh, long essay, long form essay that he penned to his teenage son about what he would face in this world as a black man, like what his choices would be and what his life would be like. So that has been getting much more praise. Got it. What is, uh, do you know where that is? Like where to find it? Um, I'm looking on Streamable. I'd like to watch that one. I did not know about this Streamable site. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it is. It just it just goes down the list and it tells you, can I stream between the world and me on Disney Plus? And there's a little X next to it. So it looks like it's on HBO Max and you can get it on Amazon Prime Video. Nice. Okay. With the HBO add-on. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I'm going to put in a plug for normal people again. I've talked about it a bunch on this show, but this seemed like a good time to bring it up again. Normal People is on Hulu. It is a series based on the novel. And it was one of my favorite books I read this year. And I also loved the adaptation. So for things that we've seen, I would also put, well, I watch Rebecca on the list. Uh, Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. Um, Netflix has a version that has Lily James and Army Hammer in it. Uh, it was really panned. I mean, I thought it was fine. It's not like an adaptation that was, oh my God, this is so great. Or, But it passed the time. The costumes are pretty. It's fine. So you didn't think it was all that bad? No. Well, I fall asleep on it, but that, <laughs> I fall asleep on everything. Just put, sit, sit yeah, in front of I a mean, television and... Right. But the parts, the first hour I saw in the last 20 minutes, I mean, it's fine. I actually want to see it again just to, I was really intrigued by the costume because I feel like anytime we think of anything with a period piece, like there is no kind of nuance in my head. I immediately go to people were wearing dresses or whatever. So she runs around in, I guess you would call them dungarees or like sort of denim trousers or, or, uh. I don't, she, she, her wardrobe was interesting to me. I never read that book. Uh, and I know people love it, but I've never read it. 
oldies but goodies are also big little lies which i love the book love the adaptation um and we covered normal people and little fi- little fires everywhere which i've talked about that there was just a twist on the first couple of episodes that i just couldn't get with and i just didn't go back to it but maybe i'll rethink that maybe i'll watch one more episode besides because it was just like this one thing that just totally took away the credibility for me, but maybe if I had continued, I would have found the balance with it. Speaking of classics, Emma, it came out in the spring, Jane Austen. I did not see it. And I know I read it ages and ages and ages ago, but that sounds like a nice way to spend an evening. They say that it's more faithful to the novel than Clueless was. Yeah. Well, I think it's, isn't it uh, set in the time? Like it's not a modern adaptation. Right. But I just think in terms of, well, yeah, I guess being that it was set back then, but there was an article detailing the differences. Uh, I didn't Mm. read it because Emma is not my favorite Jane Austen. I was just trying to think if I liked it more than I liked Sense and Sensibility, but I don't think I've spent much time with either. Yeah. Either of them. I remember Sense and Sensibility. I just feel like nothing really holds a candle to Pride and Prejudice. But you like you like the Colin Firth version or do you like the... Yes. I don't, all, e- I don't both, even know who's any. In, in the other. You like them all? Yeah, I like them all. Uh, let's see. So which versions have there been? Kira Knightley. That's, I like that one. Um, Colin Firth version. I like that one. What else is there? The super old Laurence Olivier one. I like that one. Yeah. I mean, I think I saw that in high school. I liked it. I like them all. I saw the original Rebecca. I think you can dig that one up if you, if, uh, if you want to take a look at that. I think Rebecca is so loved because it's gothy, gothic and can be a little bit campy. And just because the Mrs. De Winter, like you never know the current wife's name. It's all about Rebecca, the previous wife. So, and she's always just a bit of a ninny. (laughs) Poor woman. So also your favorite, Our Souls at Night is on Netflix. Have you seen it? Oh, I saw that. Yep. That's with uh, Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda and Robert Redford, right? Is that right? I I don't know. I thought it was Sissy Spacek. Hmm. I may be wrong. And I think I always, you know, we've talked about this before and I can't remember if I saw it or I wanted to see it. Yeah. I'm, I'm I not watch sure. That again. I wasn't sure if, that you had seen it. Yeah. Uh, if I haven't seen it yet, I will watch that again. I will watch it for the first time. And if I have seen it, I'd watch it again. Oh I, yeah. It is Robert say, Red, it's Robert Redford and Jane Fonda. Yeah. Oh, I love that book. <laughs> I love that book so much. Um, yeah. That's a great recommendation. I didn't, that escaped me when I was making this list. A um, couple more that are coming out soon. And then I've got a list of more classic ones that people should see. But uh, a few that are coming out in either the end of this year or in 2021. So these are ones to look forward to. Um, the Last Letter from Your Lover, which is a book I never read by Jojo Moyes. But since I believe that most Jojo Moyes books are basically written with the adaptation in mind, it's probably pretty good. The Nightingale, another book I've never read. And that is coming out, actually not till the end of next year, but that's a beloved book by Kristen Hanna. And that'll be out next year. My guess is that it was supposed to be out earlier, but with COVID got pushed. Um, and then there's a book I've never read um, called Mothering Sunday, Sunday by Graham Swift. Oh, Did I you read, ever that. read that book? Yes. Is that good? The, look, the fact pattern looked awesome. The story. It's really good. Is it, it is not... Um... I think it would be a weird book to read right now. Like you have to be committed to just a very slow unfolding story told beautifully set. You know, it's a, it's a English manor story. I think the main World war one, right? Yeah. Around that time, there's some kind of, you know, upstairs, downstairs romance that goes awry. And, right. it, happen- and it takes place on mother's day. And of course there's lots of connections, but, between that and what happens between the lovers and the decision that 
that happens <laughs> in the couple. Like it's hard to talk about without giving a main okay. point away. Is this a, is this a everything takes place in one day book? Yes. Oh, I hate that. Or over a weekend or yeah, but I think, I think it's just that day. I think it's mothering Sunday as they call it. Mm, I see. Okay. Okay. Well that's coming out next year. It's not, I mean, it takes place on one day, but I think there's lots of flashbacks. It's not like, it's okay. not one of those where the, the action is driven by that day and things are happening towards that day. It's much more thoughtful and reflective and about this relationship. So you do go back to how it started and how it ended up there. So it's not like you're just in that one day, even though the events unfold over that day. Okay. If that helps. Yeah. Um, and then I also noted a mini series that came out this year based on a book I read years and years ago. It's called, I know this much is true by Wally Lamb. And it's about twins where one twin, twin men and one of the brothers has schizophrenia and it's about how the other brother sort of deals with it. And you know, the, the guilt and the concern and the stress and all of that. And that I believe came out already. So I think that that's streamable right now. Another thing that's streamable right now, if you have HBO Max, is, um, oh man, the book was called You Should Have Known. And the series on HBO, my gosh, how how did I just have the book's name written down? I don't even get it. I guess because I thought that I knew the name of the series so well that I wouldn't <laughs> forget. But it was a book by Jean Hamp Horlitz. Correlates, and it's about a woman who is living a successful life, as people do. I think she's a pediatric oncologist in the story. And then she has something happen in her life. I think her husband goes missing. And of course, she's been living this, you know, perfect life. And that all unravels. It's called The Undoing. As I said, that all unravels. I was just okay. like, yeah, of course, that's the name, The Undoing. <laughs> um, so it has Nicole Kidman in it. It's on HBO Max. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I really want to see that one. And there's been all of these articles all over the place, you know, like what happens at the end of The Undoing or is they're trying to figure out whether one of the main characters is dead and I'm just trying not to see anything until I can sit down and look at it. I mean, the cast is great. It is, um, it's Nicole Kidman, but it also has Hugh Grant in it. And it's directed by, it was written and produced by David E. Kelly. So Hmm. that's a good cast. All right. So that's all the ones I have that are kind of current, but I've got my Hall of Fame ones, which I thought I would just maybe quickly list, which most people have probably seen or read, but it's good reminders if you haven't. So the recent adaptation of Little Women with um, Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet, who's my daughter's favorite human being on the planet. Um, Then Atonement, which I feel like, oh, that's Keira Knightley. Okay. Saoirse Ronan also in Atonement. I'm trying to remember. I think she uh, plays the younger <laughs> sister. We had this conversation before and I don't remember because I saw it. Yeah. yeah. I loved the book and I thought the movie was also very good. Um, Room is a great adaptation of a very, very good book. But that is not relaxing. So don't, don't put that on if you're looking for an escape from the stress of the pandemic life. Um, the Social Network, which I had forgotten, was based on a book by your favorite, Ben Mesrick. Mm-hmm. Um, Gone Girl, the classic book-to-movie adaptation, which I liked a lot. Ben Affleck. Um, Call Me By Your Name, also Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer. That's a beautiful movie. Still Alice, which I thought was fantastic, super depressing, but really good. And then finally, The Wife, which you and I have talked about a fair amount on the show, that was nominated for an Oscar two years ago, I want to say. Is that, was, was Glenn Close in that? Uh-huh. Okay. I don't think yep. I ever saw she that. I love that book. Oh. oh, yeah. The movie's good. Really good. 
And I never read the book, so uh, I don't have the book to compare it to, but I really like the movie. Okay, those are my so to check that out. Hall of Fames. All right. So a few more that I will mention that are to look forward to. And Station Eleven, I was not quite sure where we are with Station Eleven because they're pushing so many things off, but that's the novel by Emily St. John Mandel, which was about basically a flu pandemic, I think, that takes over the world and how the survivors get on. It's a much worse pandemic than the one that we're living through, fortunately, uh, that, that stayed in the book and it's not real life. Uh, but it's due out on HBO Max. And if it's not soon, it'll be early 2021. Also, The Luminaries, is which won the Man Booker Prize by Eleanor Catton. It was like this sprawling novel. I want to say it came out in like 2014 or something. And it was kind of a Western. It was like seven or 800 pages long. It was so buzzed about at the time. Um, but I just couldn't deal with how long it was. But that's coming, that's due out on the BBC. Also, like, if not in December, then I would say first quarter 2021. So I'm just going through my list. I watched The Invisible Man, which was the adaptation. Um, I think H.G. Wells wrote it. But anyway, Cecilia Moss from The Handmaid's Tale is she plays the main character in that. And that is, you know, the book is about an invisible man. He's discovered the power of invisibility. I guess this is kind of a modern update where he's some kind of physicist who's discovered a cloak of invisibility, but he's also like a malevolent abuser. So he fakes his death and then terrorizes his wife or no ex-girlfriend played by Elizabeth Moss. So that is, that's a thriller. I mean, some horrific things happen in that. So if that's, I mean, it's the holiday time. If that's not your bag, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that one. So I'm looking all over my list. And of course, the Bridgertons, which everyone expect a book report. It, that series is going to start on Netflix on Christmas Day. And uh, I think that's all I have for right now. I'm going to throw in something you mentioned about falling asleep in front of the TV. So I fell asleep in front of this one last night, but I <laughs> plan to go back and catch up on what I missed. And I don't think this is an adaptation, but this series is very hot right now and everyone's talking about it. The Queen's Gambit. Mm-hmm. Are you watching that? No. I mean, I plan to, but I just haven't yet. Yeah. And so, me falling uh, asleep on anything does not, it should not in any way put you off from it because that just, it just. Oh yeah, not at all. I sit in it's front of a to television do. and that's it. Like so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The content can be, I, I, I have, I have notoriously fallen asleep like on multiple, many reality shows where it's like we're right at the, the moment. moment of elimination, <laughs> the tribal council, the rose ceremony, the, you know, the final leg of the amazing race, whatever it is, I will fall asleep. So it has nothing to do with what's actually on the show. It's no, no comment on that at all. Um, but it's really good. I like, I think we watched the first two episodes, or at least I watched most of the first and some most of the second. <laughs> But it's good. So it's not, I don't think it's an adaptation, but it certainly has a nice literary feel to it. And I think it's, you know, in keeping with a lot of the other shows that we've talked about. Right. There's a book that I read that has an adaptation on Netflix called The Lost Girls, which I have not looked at the adaptation. I really did like the book. It was about um, these girls in Long Island who went missing and they were all placing ads on Craigslist for sexual services. and. It, I guess it's kind of true crime. I think a lot of people who are really into true crime may not appreciate this book just because it really, it mentions the crime. You're not going to discover who the killer is, I don't think, or it wasn't in the book, but it's just these women's lives and how they all were led, you know, got or not got led or went down this path that ended in them being killed. And a lot of them talks about their lives, trying to hold on to their children. There were lives of addiction. 
but you just really get a chance to know the women who were victimized by the killer as opposed to it being all about the killer. Now, I haven't watched the movie because the book had multiple points of views and I think you got to follow multiple families, but I think the adaptation is focused on one particular story. So that wasn't as appealing to me, but you know, I might delve into it. But it's there. So I think we've covered something for everyone. We've got the heartwarming, we've got the classics, uh, we've got the horror, which is also Bird Box. <laughs> oh yeah. Which is based on a novel by the same name. I didn't read the book, but I saw the movie. So that was like big on Netflix. So, and hopefully we let you know where you could find out about them. If there's any information that you are missing on these, feel free to consult the sources that we've mentioned. Gail mentioned uh, Pop Sugar. I consulted Rotten Tomatoes a lot. Like I said, the Perpetual Book Turner, Perpetual Page Turner, sorry, Jamie, Uh, the Streamable, and also the Bibliophile for more comprehensive list of what was coming out than I could ever uh, sit down and put together easily. All right. Well, uh, happy viewing in addition to happy reading. And Nicole and I will be back later this month with our book club next, or well, it's not, it's kind of a book club. It's a book club slash guest episode where we will be talking about a beloved child slash middle grade book, um, Anne of Green Gables. Oh, I was going to say, if you were paying attention earlier, you couldn't figure out which one it was, but Gail just laid <laughs> it out for you. No, I think we're going to edit that part out where I said the wrong book title. <laughs> Bloopers. <laughs> or not. Leave them in. Or not. And um, then we'll be back later with in our, our year-end look back superlatives best of the year episode. Yes. And I think, so yeah, I think those last couple of episodes just... and. We'll take a little bit of a break, not too long, but... Yeah, maybe a week or two. Yeah, to decompress. So until then, take it away, Gail. Until then, happy reading, happy watching. Catch you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonia.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks. Thanks.